Life After Bresco miniseries part two, The Implications of Insolvency Set Off. You're listening to Outlook, one of the commercial construction and international arbitration podcast series brought to you by the members of 39 Essex Chambers. Hello, and welcome to the second podcast in a series dealing with the practical implications of Michael J. Lonsdale Electrical Limited and Bresco Electrical Services Limited in liquidation 2020 UKSC 25 for those seeking to enforce or resist enforcement of adjudication claims brought by insolvent companies post Brasco. I'm Rebecca Drake and I'm joined today by Marion Smith QC, John Dennis Smith and David Sortel. We are all members of the commercial and construction team at 39 Essex Chambers experienced in adjudication and adjudication enforcement proceedings. In this episode, we discuss the court's approach to dealing with disputes arising on a number of projects involving insolvent companies. If we take a quick recap, what did the Supreme Court actually say in Michael J. Lonsdale against Prescott Electrical Services? But what we found in that case is that the Supreme Court took a different approach to the TCC and the Court of Appeal and decided that adjudicators did have jurisdiction to determine construction disputes brought by insolvent companies in liquidation and that allowing such adjudications were not, to quote Lord Justice Colson in the Court of Appeal, an exercise in futility. But what's happened since then? Recently, we've had the first significant decision after Bresco refusing enforcement of an adjudicator's decision where the claimant was in insolvent liquidation. And that was in John Doyle Construction Limited in liquidation against Eric Contractors Limited, a neutral citation of 2020, EWHC uh, 2451. And this established uh, five or rather three principles that were to be applied, Rebecca uh, considered in our first podcast. Now, before we look at the decision itself, uh, let's uh, review the scenario that we're going to use in these podcasts. The situation is that you have Sparky Limited, or refer to them as Sparky. Um, is a specialist electrical M&E subcontractor. It's engaged by Employer Co. Limited, we'll call that Employer Co. And it's been engaged to construct three retail parks in England under similar contracts, each of which provides for adjudication under the scheme for construction contract. Retail Park 1 was completed in 2014, and the final account was agreed and the moiety of the retention was paid. Retail Park 2 was completed in 2015, and the final account was grieved, but Employer Co. held on to the moiety of the retention, referring to unspecified defects with Sparky's work, uh, but which do not appear to amount to anything more than minor problems. And then finally, there's Retail Park completed in 2016. There are problems with this project and Employer Co. purported to terminate the subcontract. The parties have not agreed and cannot agree a final account. In 2017, Sparky entered into insolvent liquidation. Sparky's liquidators believe that the claims against Employer Co. in respect of retail parts two and three are risky does not want and do not want to pursue them. 
So the liquidators of Sparky assign the claims to a company called Calculus Limited, we'll refer to them as Calculus, on terms that Calculus will retain 40% of any sums recovered from Employerco after costs. Sparky, with that support, commences an adjudication in respect of retail park number three, and it obtains a declaration that it is entitled to an order for payment of £350,000 in January 2018. The adjudicator does not make an immediate order for payment. In 2019, the retail park owner approaches Employerco about concerns in respect of the electrical supply. Employerco is still investigating, but hasn't determined the cause of these problems. Sparky issues proceedings to enforce the decision in the sum of £350,000. Sparky seeks the usual expedited TCC directions for enforcement by way of summary judgment, and in its evidence in response, calculus offers conditions which we're going to discuss in the next episode in the podcast. So the question at the moment is, what impact do the issues in respect of retail parks one and two have an enforcement in respect of this decision in respect of Retail Park 3. David, how could Sparky address those issues? Well, as we can see, John, uh, we have now got multiple disputes under a number of different contracts, and this immediately shows officious between the regime in construction law and construction adjudication and the insolvency regime under the Insolvency Act. And as you mentioned in the first podcast, John, uh, the key case in this is Buig UK Limited against Dal Jensen UK Limited reported in the Court of Appeal in 2000 EWCA uh, Civ 507. And it was something that was also dealt with by the TCC uh, in the summer of 2020 in the case of Balfour BT against Aztec. The problem is this. An adjudicator can generally only deal with one dispute at a time, unless the parties agree to give them jurisdiction to deal with multiple disputes. So the adjudicator's decision only dealt with their dealings in respect of Retail Park 3, and the adjudicator would not have had jurisdiction to deal with the uh, other retail parks and disputes in respect of them. There was, on one reading, a suggestion in the Supreme Court decision in Bresco when an adjudicator might be best placed to deal with disputes arising under other construction contracts. But Lord Briggs then went on to refer to achieving this by consent, whereas by the parties agreeing to give the adjudicator a wider jurisdiction than would otherwise be the case. Uh, Mr. Justice Fraser in John Doyle Construction Against Erif warned against deciding other matters without the consent of the parties at paragraph 64, where he said this, Adjudicators may find themselves asked by responding parties to become embroiled in matters outside the construction contract and even potentially outside their expertise. Orthodoxy would suggest that they ought to resist becoming involved in this way. They are appointed to resolve dispute under the construction contract. Absent specific agreement from the parties for adjudicator also to consider and resolve matters outside the construction contract, they would have no jurisdiction to do so. And such matters would be a matter for the court on the summary judgment application. But on the other side of the coin, 
that when a company goes into liquidation and it's wound up, the insolvency practitioner takes an account of their mutual dealings so that a single balance is payable from one to the other. Uh, in respect of winding up, this is found in the Insolvency Rules 2016 under Rule 14.25. The situation is different for other forms of formal insolvency. Uh, for administration, where the administrator intends to make a distribution, uh, this is governed on the Insolvency Rules by Rule 14.24. So, Employer Co. would, in a winding up, be entitled to set off by uh, way of insolvency set off any sums that Sparky owes to them in respect of retail parks one and two pound for pound, which is a considerable advantage from making the same claim standing amongst all the other unsecured creditors and standing in men uh, pari passu. So, David, if we've got two different statutory regimes here, how do we make them compatible with each other? Well, you're absolutely right, Rebecca. These two regimes are difficult to make compatible with each other. And if you can't find a way to make them fit, you can't get summary judgment. And this was first set out by the Court of Appeal in Bigoy and uh, Dal Jensen. And the Supreme Court in Bresco left this intact. Lord Briggs made it very clear that summary enforcement would frequently be unavailable. The authorities are apparent unless a claiming party can deal with a problem with solvency set-off, summary judgment will not be available. This was stated in the earlier case of Meadowside and it was repeated in John Dole construction against Erif. Okay, David, so that's all the law. Uh, so what do you actually do if you're trying to deal with a situation in practice? What you need to do John, is bring all of these claims to a head. And that's what happened in Balfour BT against Aztec Projects Limited in liquidation with mutual citation of 2020 EWHC 796 and the TCC. There also were three contracts between two parties and Aztec had to bring the other two disputes to adjudication as a condition of enforcing their decision in respect of the third one. So Retail Park 2 is not going to be so much of a problem. There might well be payment notices passing between the parties, together with a dispute letter, so a dispute would have crystallised that can be referred to adjudication. And as an Aztec, Sparky will probably have to agree to do this in a certain time frame. But John, it's going to be Retail Park 1 that's more problematic. At the moment, Employco has not even determined that there's a claim against Sparky, let alone raised it so as to create a dispute. And I would myself advise Employco to get on with this, assuming the claim is not now limitation barred. And if the claim is not limitation barred and Employco do raise a dispute, uh, there will be question marks as to whether it's a claim that Employco can prove in liquidation, and if disputed, then how to resolve it. It, it sounds as if employer co might be on the back foot so it will be looking for all sorts of uh, arguments to get out of trouble does it make any difference for example that we're told that the adjudicator's decision uh, is a declaration of an entitlement to three hundred fifty thousand pounds but it doesn't seem to be a, an order actually directing employer co to pay that amount 
Well, this was one of the points that emerges from Lord Briggs' speech in the Supreme Court decision in Dresco. But if uh, an adjudicator is concerned, there might be a question of insolvency set off. But rather than making a straightforward order for payment, an adjudicator uh, might prefer to make a declaration as to what is owing from one party to the other under the contract. But it won't necessarily be a problem to Sparky, and that's because of another decision in the TCC this summer, that WRW Construction Limited in Dr. Yao Davies Developments Limited, Neutral Citation 2020, EWHC 1965 in the TCC, and there's recorder Andrew Singer QC sitting as a judge of TCC. And uh, what was held in that case is that even where the adjudicator doesn't make an order for payment, when said makes a declaration as well as owing from one party to the other, then the court does indeed have jurisdiction to take that declaration and to make an order for payment, making effectively an order for high court that one party is going to pay money to the other. So that wouldn't necessarily be a hurdle uh, for Sparky uh, for it to for it to be too difficult to get over. David, can I take you back to what you said? And let's focus again on Employer Co. You said, let's bring matters to a head. I can envisage the finance director, the board saying, why? That's going to take time and money. I haven't got either. I've got to focus on staying in business. Let's just let it drift. Marion, it's going to be very much uh, to the employer's advantage uh, to bring this matter to a head. And that's because of uh, insolvency set off compared to simply being an unsecured creditor uh, claiming pennies in the pound. At the moment, no one knows about the problems of Retail Park One. And it's unlikely that if you raise such an inchoate problem, you would persuade a TCC judge it's enough to prevent uh, summary judgment. And it's going to be difficult then uh, to try and defeat uh, summary judgment by saying you have an insolvency set off. But if you do raise it and you bring the claim in retail part one to a head, then you can set it off at pound for pound. That's why it's likely, uh, as a condition, uh, Sparky wants to resolve retail park two, because it wants to push it and to try and get that resolved, because it's much more likely. Uh, that Employer Co is going to say, in respect of Retail Park 2, that it can rely on insolvency set-off. You can understand why somebody said, when we last discussed this, that there's a degree of cynicism, perhaps, in this approach, that it's, it's a work generation exercise for lawyers and adjudicators. Absolutely. Uh, and that encourages all to adjudicate everything under a contract and under lots of contracts. But Lord Briggs did make the point in Bresco that uh, when it comes to working out uh, dealings between the parties and proving in the uh, insolvency, that you are going to have to resolve all of these disputes. But adjudication is actually a cheaper a more rapid way of doing it uh, than might be going to litigation uh, in the TCC or going to arbitration and getting a, a final position. So since these things are going to be, have to be resolved anyway, uh, both uh, Mr Justice Fraser in error and Lord Briggs and Bresco said that why not use adjudication as the cheaper and quicker way to get to that answer. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. In our next podcast, we'll look at the court's approach to undertakings and conditions. Thanks for listening. 
At 39 Essex Chambers, we cover a vast array of practice areas and sectors. You can find out more about our expertise and our barristers at 39essex.com, where you can also see our extensive catalogue of articles, podcasts and webinars.